Amen. I'm ready for what God's going to do today. How about you? Turn to Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read a very familiar passage to you this morning. Mark chapter 5, and we're going to begin in verse 21. Mark 5, 21. It says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. And then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. And Jesus went with him. And all the people followed, crowding around him. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything that she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can touch his robe, I will be healed. And immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed and her terrible, of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? And his disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched my robe? Or who put a demand upon my ability? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. This morning, I want to share uh, to some folks here in the room uh, about a possibility of, of a theme of this is an emergency, an emergency. Many times in our life, we, we experience emergencies. You've heard the statement before. The atmosphere changes immediately when you're in that, that hospital. The nurses and the doctors are on high alert. They, they begin to respond. Their pace quickens, and there's something about an emergency where the urgency increases. People began to behave differently than no other time. Emergency. We understand it's, it's serious. We understand that it's something that's not, not expected. It's, it's a dangerous situation. It requires immediate intervention, immediate action. Somebody's life is, is hanging in the balance. And, and, and what the doctors and the nurses do in the next few minutes... It's going to make the difference between life and the difference between death. It's got to be done fast. And I believe today there's spiritual emergencies, maybe in the lives of people we know. Spiritual emergencies, maybe in the lives of of people in this room, people that we work with, people that we're ministering to, people that we're praying and interceding and crying out to God for, that maybe clean across the country the needs that they have. That's why I want to preach the message. Crying out. In our spirit, this is an emergency. This is, this is a dire need. And some of you listening right now, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, all realms going on around us are, are experiencing that spiritual 
code blue, if you would. And it's, it's sounding and it's alerting in the spirit and God hears, God knows. I'm not talking about a difficult, uncomfortable, inconvenient situation going on in your life. We, we moved and my, it, with my job, I work from home. And it was very inconvenient that I didn't have internet. I've been at Jack Henry going on 16 years, and for 10 years I traveled home a week, gone a week, and worked in, in our corporate office in, in Monette. And then the last five and a half years I've worked from home, and it was very inconvenient to not have internet because in the morning instead of getting up and drinking some extra cups of coffee and wearing, it's gotten cold now, wearing my sweats and my slippers and not having to drive to work, I changed. I, I, had, to, I had to get ready for work. I had to drive 25 miles. I thought it was an emergency, but it wasn't an emergency. It was an inconvenience. And many times in our life, we, we, we think that those types of things are emergencies. It gets hot and the AC quits. It's an emergency. We, uh, if I run out of Bark's root beer, it, it's an emergency. If the Doritos are, are not in the cabinet, it's, it's an emergency. Ladies, if you're having a bad hair day, if the nails break, if the makeup's running, if the car's got a flat tire, it's an emergency. An emergency. But it, it's not a matter of life and death. But we act like it's an emergency. I'm talking about real emergencies. There's all types of emergencies. There's all types of crises. There's, there's medical emergencies like I described where people's lives are hanging in the balance. There's, there's natural disasters, earthquakes, uh, tornadoes, floods. We, you know, recently, um, Holly and I was down in Louisiana. It was back in May. And uh, we, 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 we were doing a revival down there and they had had some, some horrible weather down there. We, we see on the news of, of most recently, like Harvey, they got 51, uh, almost 52 inches of rain. One million displaced people. That, that's an emergency. 45 people died with, with, with no warning. When you, you think about those situations, and it, it's horrible. National emergencies. Like years back when the Twin Towers collapsed. And almost 3,000 lives were taken. That's a, that's a national emergency. But yet we have personal emergencies. We have death. We have loss of the job or, or a home. We have family crisis, divorce, uh, child abuse, financial matters, physical abuse, substance abuse, discouragement, depression, suicidal thoughts, personal emergencies. I want you to understand that when we read this text, this, this woman was not having an inconvenience. She was experiencing an emergency, a situation that required immediate attention, a situation that was going to have a direct impact on whether she would live or die. It went on for 12 years, but it was impacting her. A crisis. That's the, defi the definition of a crisis, a critical moment when something real important could affect our future, could decide the destiny in our lives. This woman, she, 
the text tells us she exhausted everything that she had at her disposal, all of her money. She depleted all of her resources. Money's gone, her strength's gone, her friends are gone, her family's gone. She's visited every doctor in town. None of them could help her. She grew worse. Her hope's gone. She's going through a lot. And then in verse 26, it, it says she heard. She heard about Jesus. She, she had heard about all of the things that, that he had done. I'm, I'm sure that maybe the, the local newspapers had been reporting about it. I'm sure they're, you know, like Fox News or CNN or whatever you watch. I'm sure that they had all the commentators on talking about the negative things of Jesus, the positive things of Jesus. I'm sure they had their sides in that day, and they were reporting what's going on. But she heard about Jesus, and something sprung up on the inside of her. The word says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And I believe something reached out and grabbed her that day. And when she heard about Jesus, faith was born in her heart. Hope had, had begun to spring up in her heart. And she begins to move, and, and she begins to, to take action. Hebrews 11:1 1 says, now faith. Now faith is the assurance the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their, their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what can't be experienced by the physical senses. That's what the Amplified says. It's deep. It's powerful. And we know by, by the scriptures that we read that the next thing she did is she went to where Jesus was. She was desperate. And what do you do when you're desperate? When you're desperate, you pursue something. She pursued him. She, she was passionate in her pursuit. She, she had, some say, a pit bull kind of faith. Some say a bulldog kind of faith. But her eyes were on the prize. She wanted that issue of blood to stop. And what I want to encourage you with this morning, whatever emergency you're going through, whatever crisis you're going through, you need to pursue Jesus. You need to go after Jesus. You need to go after it with faith and believing in Him. I always used to say, when I was behind the pulpit all the time, Pastor, I'd say, you need to, to get sweaty in the Spirit. Get, get your hands dirty in the Spirit. Break off them fingernails and begin to claw in the Spirit. Pray through in the Spirit. Believe in, and, and, and believe in the blood of Jesus and call out to be, to be covered in the, in the blood. She had that kind of faith. And if you're desperate, you're not going to complain about having to stretch for it a little bit. We're so used to having everything handed to us. We're so used to everything coming fast. That wasn't the case in this lady's life, of course, but we're so used to that. And sometimes I believe the Lord just wants us to stretch a little bit. Sometimes that means just getting your hands in the air. Sometimes that means just stretching and, and bending your knees. Sometimes that means getting out there and, and walking around and, in the night and beginning to pray and, and seek God and say, I need you, I'm, I'm stretching a little bit. You begin to stretch, do whatever it takes. And this woman, she, she put herself in the press. She put herself 
in the crowd. She became a contender where she had never contended before. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Some of us in this room need to be contenders. I loved it when, when you were asked to come forward this morning to worship a little bit and all those people come forth. You were contending. You were saying, my spirit says yes. You were pursuing for whatever was on your heart at that moment. See, we may get a blessing. We, we may get a touch but just because we're in the right place at, at the right time. But when you have an emergency and a crisis, you need a miracle. You need a breakthrough. It, it's going to cost you something. I believe that with all my heart. It's going to cost us something. You say, well, well, come on now. Come on. We hear those stories all the time of people sharing about the difficult things they've gone through in life. And then the breakthrough came. They went through something. This woman went through something. And by the actions we read about her in Scripture, we see that anything worth having is worth fighting for, worth contending for, worth pursuing, worth going after, worth stretching for. She's in a desperate condition, physically, spiritually. It's killing her, both sides of the house. Her issue, it was a blood problem. And her life was draining out of her, draining out of her. You say, well, okay, her issue's a blood problem, but today we've got to answer the question, what's our issue? What is our issue? You may be sitting here today or you may be praying for somebody, interceding for somebody. Maybe the issue is health. Maybe it's job. Maybe it's finances. Maybe there's rejection and shame and bitterness and, and anger and resentment. Maybe there's discouragement, depression and despair. Or maybe the, those sins that we don't like to admit to, that we don't know, want anyone to know about, the lust, the greed, the provide, the the, the, the perversion, the pride, the, the unforgiveness, the selfishness, or even digging deeper, the addiction, the stronghold of bondage, the, the oppression. And in my book, Sin, Sin, there's no sin graph. It's sin. But the religion, the religion that seems to find itself housed in, in every church, religion that that is such a killer. The Bible says the Spirit gives life, but the letter kills. And I, I don't care how religious you may be today. I don't care how religious a church may be today. The answer to our, our religion, the answer to, to our place in God is do you have a passionate up-to-date, on-fire relationship with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's where it all comes down to. But what's your issue today? What are you tripping over today? What are you struggling with today? You know, at one time we all had it. And there may be some in this room that still have it, but we all had a blood issue we all had a blood problem. We all needed the precious blood of Jesus to wash over us and cleanse our soul. We all needed that Holy Ghost eraser to wipe the, the, the blackboard clean in our lives. We needed that bath in His blood. And there may be people in here saying, I need a cleansing. That song that 
We don't sing it much anymore, but have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? We need that blood bath. We need that spiritual blood transfusion from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. She got that that day when she touched his robe. She got that that day when she pursued him. That's the thing that makes this woman so much different from a lot of people. She knew and she acknowledged, I've got an issue. I've got something that money can't fix. I've got something that doctors can't fix, that psychologists can't fix, that counseling can't fix. Only one person can fix it. It's killing me. It's taking out my life. It's robbing me of my freedom. I I need to be well. And the Holy Spirit's walking the aisles. The Holy Spirit is tapping people on shoulders. The Holy Spirit is shaking us at the core of our very remnant fiber this morning, saying, what is your issue? Not because... He wants to judge you, not because he wants to condemn you or look down on you or strike you. He asks, what is your issue? Because he loves you, because he wants you to be free, because he wants you to experience more of the blessing of God, because he wants to see you moving forward from everything that is tying and shackling you down. Don't you hear him? Don't you hear him saying it's time to get free? Don't you hear the the sound of of the Spirit of God? I I think of the scripture in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, that says, Stand fast, therefore, by which Christ has set us free, the liberty that has set us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't be entangled in that. Don't go back to that. Don't stay in that. You say, well, what's bondage? It's a symbol of slavery. Heavy oppression, burden, load. It's a forced subjection. Yes, that issue that we have, or the people that we're believing God for, it's a forced subjection on our lives. Think of the farmers back in the day. They used to take their mules or their oxen and they would take that yoke. They would shackle and harness that animal. Put it around their necks so that it would not fall off, so that it could not be broken off. They wanted to harness the power, the capability, and the potential of that animal. This issue or issues in your life is harnessing you. It is shackling you. It is holding you back. And it is, it is driving the power and the potential in your life. It's draining it. Jesus has set us free from the yoke of bondage. He set this woman free from a yoke of bondage. I like the statement that Martin Luther King Jr., he would always say freedom is never granted voluntarily by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. That woman that day, 
She finally understood when it rose up in her spirit, Jesus is the answer, that the, the oppressor was never going to voluntarily allow her to be healed by a doctor. But she knew that she could go to a Jesus. She knew she could go to that man. She knew that she could by faith touch the, the hem of his garment and that he would release healing, resurrecting, restoring power in her life. It must be demanded by the oppressed. And the king of kings is standing at the right hand of the throne of his father this morning, and he's saying, oh, I just wish they would whisper their issues. Oh, I just wish they would say, not one more day, not one more hour, not one more minute, not one more second. I wish they would just breathe it out of their mouth and allow the thought to go through both between the ears and say, set me free. Freedom's never granted voluntarily by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. It's time to get free. Freedom from these things in our life. Freedom. And we need to proclaim it in our spirit. I'm going to be free. Not a demon in hell is going to keep me bound. Not a demon in hell is going to constrain the power, this yoke that's on me. I love the story of, of blind Bartimaeus. This woman touched the hem of his garment. Blind Bartimaeus cried out. He cried out with a shout. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Yes, Jesus hears our groanings. Yes, Jesus knows every thought, and it works. And I'm thankful for that. But sometimes I think he likes to hear our voice. Sometimes he likes to hear our voice. And when Bartimaeus cried out for mercy, he cried out for a free pardon. What's pardon mean? It's, it's an act of liberating someone. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. A cry of mercy that was saying, stop my distress. I need some relief. Hear my cry. Touch me, O oh God. Change me, O oh God. And if you think about that passage in the Bible, he's blind. He can hear the shouting. He can hear the pleas of the people that are around him. He could feel, he could sense the pushing and the pressure of the crowd shoving to get close to Jesus. He could also hear it coming to him, by him, moving past him. And he realized, this is my chance. This is my opportunity. This is my moment. And for some people in this room today, this is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your moment. This is your hour. And he knew I've got to get the attention of Jesus. I've got to position myself to have an, a personal encounter with Jesus. He couldn't see, but he could hear. He had heard about that leper cleanser. He had heard about the miracles, everything that Jesus had done. He says, I've, I've got to position myself. And so he did what only a blind man could do. 
He cried out to the deputies. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And it says that they came to him and they said, be quiet. I like this. If only we would do this in church. Be quiet. You know, I'm looking for our, our worship. You know, maybe some Sunday, instead of urging everybody to get a little louder, maybe you ought to just wave your hand and say, just be quiet. Just, just shut it down. Stop all the praising. Just, just shut it down. Be quiet. And maybe there'll be one person in the house that would just get outrageous and radical and out of control. It says in the Bible, he shouted the louder. He cried out the louder. He pressed in the louder. Maybe sometimes we just need to provoke a little bit. That's what happened to Hannah and she got pregnant, right? She was provoked by that other wife. They just need to be provoked a little bit. Oh, just shut it down. He cried out the louder. Lord, hear me. Lord, come close to me today. I need you. I need you to release me today. And he did. He did. The Bible says he stopped. The Bible says he, over everything that's going on, can you, I can't imagine what was going on that day. I can't imagine all the excitement, the activity, the noise, and everything that was going on. But Jesus stopped and said, bring him to me. We're waiting right here till that one voice I heard is at my feet. And he healed him. He healed him. Mm, mm, mm. Today you go, oh, my issue's not a very big deal. But to Jesus it is. Maybe to you it's not. Maybe to your family members it's not. But in the kingdom of God, it's a big deal. Jesus wants his church free because there's a lost and dying world that needs to be free. And if the church is bound, how can we set them free? We've got to be free. And we've got to be able to release the freedom of the Holy Spirit of God upon them. Mm. She didn't have time to be cute. She didn't have time to be proper. Y'all look wonderful today. You can shout amen now. She didn't have time for any of that kind of stuff. She didn't have time to get approval by the one in the chair next to her, the one in front of her, the one, one behind her. She didn't have time for that. Is, is it okay if I praise radically today? Is it okay if I shout? Is it okay if I run some laps around the room because I just got a touch from God? Is it all right? If the mascara runs, is it all right? If we just break the order, is it all right? She didn't ask that. She didn't come to church to read the scripture and what was on the board. She didn't come to church to follow the order of service. She didn't come to church to drop her check in and say, everything's okay. She didn't come to church to make sure they were out one minute before the close of service time. She didn't come for that reason. Neither should you. She, she pressed through the crowd. She went out of her house. She made the pursuit. She contended because she had an issue and it could only be fixed by one person, Jesus. 
Oh, how things would change in the Sunday morning church service if we would just put on that garment of praise with that attitude and go to church. Whew. Not worry about who shook your hand and who didn't, who said hi and who didn't. She didn't have time for that. Can I go to the altar now? She knew it was a matter of life and death. She knew it was an emergency. There needs to be some urgency in the saints today. We need an urgency for the lost. We need an urgency for the things that are going on in our world. It's not something we just talk about over coffee or our orange juice in the morning. There's an urgency. When all you want to touch, a blessing, a spiritual boost, a pick-me-up, or a fix, you can tiptoe through the tulips. You can take the pat on the head and drop it if you want. But when you need a change, when you need a miracle, when you need a breakthrough, it's different. When it's a matter of life and death and every minute counts, there's no time to mess around. My father got cancer in 2005 and it's 2017. He's going through his 12th year His body is still eaten up by it. He's still fighting it. And we praised him back in 2005. We praised God. We believed God back in 2005, and we're still believing God in 2017. We didn't wait for them to say that the cancer was gone. You know what? It's been back three times. It's back now. The tumor's on his brain. We're still praising God. We're still believing God. We didn't wait and say, God, we trust you because now he's healed. We've been believing the whole time. It was an emergency then. It's still an emergency now. But you know what? He's got to see five of his great-great-grandkids born. He's getting ready to see two more. God's good. God's good. Can you hear what I'm trying to say to you this morning? If I can just touch his clothes, I know I'll be healed. Only we could hear those desperate pleas and understand. If only we could hear her saying, get out of my way, let me through, I, I got an emergency. If only we could hear that. If only we could start seeing those doors plowing open. Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights with people plowing through here saying, get out of my way, I got an emergency. Running through the church doors. This situation's killing me, it's killing my family, it's destroying my joy and my peace and my dreams and my destiny. It's, it's holding me to the back of the line. It's robbing everything that I know. Everything that I can have. See, she, she knew that she was risking her life by exposing herself in public because the Mosaic law said that a woman that had an issue of blood over seven days she was considered unclean, and Leviticus 15.25 tells us how that should be handled. She'd been unclean 12 years. So the man that she was married to, she wasn't married to anymore. She had to be put away. The children that she had were not hers anymore. She couldn't go to the temple anymore. She was unclean. 
Everywhere she went in public, she had to shout out unclean when she went to Dollar General. She was labeled. And everybody knew her story. Today, there's some people in here that's got an issue. God doesn't want you to have it. It's something that happened in high school, something that happened last week, something that you did, something that you said, a failure, whatever it may be. People may not even know about it, but you do. And you have labeled yourself. And God wants to set you free from that label. God wants you to understand that it's a lie and it's an issue in your life. She was labeled and she still went out in the crowd. And I don't believe that day she shouted out unclean. She pressed through. And God is wanting you to get free from the labeling that the enemy has put on your life. And he is wanting you to press through today. She made up her mind to do it. <coughs> she said, I don't have an appointment. <clears throat> Church starts at 10 o'clock. I got my appointment. Isn't it good to know that we got a Savior who works 24-7? I don't have to have an appointment. She touched him and everything immediately changed. One touch can set us free. One touch. From the labeling and the immoral living and the depression and the guilt and the shame and the lack of self-confidence, the addictions, the suicidal thoughts, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, whatever may be going on. Would you just reach over to your neighbor, maybe both sides, and just poke them. Just touch them. Go on, practice the exercise. Just, just touch them and say, this is all it takes today. This is all it takes. One touch. Just like this. One touch. And your life could change. One touch. And a drunkard could be an evangelist. One touch. One word. One encouragement. And, and, and a marriage that's been a, a, a nightmare could be the love story of a lifetime. One touch could break the spirit of poverty and lack off of a person's life, off of a community. One touch could turn weeping into joy and mourning into gladness and, and dancing and a release like nobody has ever had before. One touch. I'll never forget being at Water Gardens one time sharing a, a message up there, and, and you could just feel the Holy Spirit of God so thick in the place, you could even see it on the, on the faces. They didn't really know what it was. They know what a high is in drugs and alcohol and everything else, but this was a high they had not experienced. And I, I, I was preaching this message, and all of a sudden I hear this guy cry out, Touch me, Jesus! He cried it out. He felt it. He knew it was real. He knew it was there. I, I, I know I've got to finish. A touch. I'm going to move through my notes here and I'm going to talk about this one area here real quick. I believe that if we look at this passage real close, the Bible will 
show us that there were a lot of touches in the crowd that day. It says they were thronging him. You may say, wow, you're getting kind of rough with us today. No, it's just because I love you and that's what we should be doing, exhorting one another in this kind of way. But in the crowd that day, there was the touch of the curious. There was the touch of the critical and and the skeptical. There, There was the accidental touch. Didn't even mean to touch him. There was that religious touch. I wonder if he'll really do what, what he says he'll do. I, and then there was the satisfied touch. I've got everything I need. Everything's going great in my life. Yeah, I've been there before. All these things going on in the crowd. All these things going on in the church services. All these things going on in the lives of the believer and the saints. But on that day, there was a different touch, a different touch other than all the rest. And it was the touch of faith. It was the touch of passion. It was the touch of desperation. It was the touch of hunger. And this woman made up her mind. I'm going to touch Jesus and I'm going to be changed and I'll die trying. How are you touching Jesus today? what I feel here today. It's not condemnation. It's conviction. How are you touching Jesus today? How are you worshiping? How are you responding to them? See, there's a translation that says that she put a demand upon his ability. How are you touching him in your praise and worship and in your devotional life? We read the scripture that nothing is too hard or impossible for God. I want you to recognize the power of God that's in this place. I want you to understand the power of God that is around you everywhere you go, every second of your life. Jesus is available. He's ready. He's there. Faith will stop him every single time. Get his attention. He'll touch you. He'll deliver you. He will restore you. doesn't matter how bad it looks. And I came today with that declaration. I came today with that testimony where God turned things around in in our life and people's lives that we know where we could say, but God, but God, but God. Testimony. See, our son and his wife that's getting ready to have these twins, they weren't supposed to be able to have a baby at all. Some of you know that, that we're here in the Galena Assembly Church. We're supposed to have a baby at all. He had cancer. It came back twice. They said, Mayo Clinic said, no baby. But Holly down there, Mama, she started praying. She got a boy and girl set of baby shoes and put it up there. And she told me only a woman could say it that way. We're going to pray babies, babies, and more babies. That's what God told me. Okay. And we have a wonderful grandson now because she spoke that into existence. But little did we know that God took babies, babies, and more babies, literally. (laughs) Now there's twins. Now there's a boy and a girl. That's what happens when you put a demand on his ability. Amen? That's what God wants us to do. It says, and they overcame him in Revelation 12, 11, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word 
of their testimony. What's that mean? They triumphed over him. There was victory over him. 